This podcast was recorded in a Zoom meeting with the Hartford Street Zen Center Sangha. Please visit hszc.org for information about how to join our online programs or to make a contribution. We depend on the generosity of our members and supporters, especially during this challenging time. Thank you. Thank you to Cato and Cheryl and uh, David for inviting me. It's it's always a pleasure to to uh, be in community with others, uh, practitioners. Especially now, I think that um, the opportunity to connect in any way is uh, a blessing. And um, yeah, so I want to start with a poem by uh, W.S. Merwin. I believe in the ordinary day that is here at this moment and is me. I do not see it going its own way, but I never saw how it came to me. It extends beyond whatever I may think I know and all that is real to me. It is the present that it bears away where it has it gone when it has gone from me. There is no place I know outside today except for the unknown all around me. The only presence that appears to stay, everything that I call mine is lent me, even the way I believe the day for as long as it is here and it is me. I wanna talk a bit today about <clears throat> this concept uh, that sometimes we, we uh, a quote from uh, one of the, the stories we hear from our Chinese ancestors, that the concept of this very mind is Buddha. And it actually comes to us from the Mumon Khan, case 30, where a student asks his teacher, what is Buddha? And uh, the teacher answers very simply, this very mind is Buddha. And I think um, on one hand, that's a really quick and succinct answer about how we can see our practice and how we can see ourselves and how we can um, really look at what it means to be um, trying to live in the world in a way that accords with our deepest intentions to live by some kind of vow. And then you start to chew on it a little bit and, and you really start to see the ramifications of, it, of letting that uh, register, of letting that somehow inform you to really think about what does it mean in my life every day for this very mind to be Buddha. The mind that is really sick of being in this shelter in place thing. This mind that uh, has all kinds of opinions and ideas and, and uh, judgments about a lot of things. <laughs> you know, uh, no matter how often I try to sort of rid myself of preference, 
my mind comes up and creates all kinds of ideas and judgments and feelings about what it is that is going on around me. And sometimes, and more so, what's going on internally. Um, you know, I think, I think the biggest challenge when we find ourselves on the cushion, when we sit down and try to settle, is to let go of the cacophony of opinions and ideas that arise in our mind every day. So we start to chew on this idea of this very mind is Buddha. How is it that this very mind, the mind that is full of the cacophony, this mind that sometimes refuses to settle, the mind that is full of judgments, how can that be Buddha? I think that we have this expectation that being Buddha is some kind of special thing that uh, that if I can just find quiet and stillness, if I can just settle down, if I can just get past all of these opinions, then somehow I'll arrive at this thing called Buddha or Nirvana or enlightenment. And the longer I practice, the more I start to realize that if I wait for anything, I'm never going to get there. If I try to feel my way into some kind of special uh, mental state or some kind of special experience of life, I'm never going to quite get there because that's just not, I, I, it's be, I don't know that that's actually possible for human beings. I've never met a human being that has that experience and I've hung out with some pretty uh, seasoned practitioners and um, amazing people and uh, for long periods of time and they still have the same human experience. Dogen um, in the Genja Koan says, you know, or no, it's the Bendawa, I think, but somewhere he says uh, that what's the use of going off searching for something else? That if you really want to practice, practice right here, wherever here is for you. And so, so we start to, to really try to figure out how do I find ease here? You know, when I first started practicing, um, I came to Buddhism because I was just riddled with grief and loss and devastated by the, the Holocaust that had happened within my community and all of my friends dying and being at the bedside and, and just the devastation of all of that and being an activist and burnt out from that. And I found myself in a room meditating. And at the end of my first time sitting down, the teacher said, nothing's broken. And I thought, you're crazy. 
in this moment, my life is very broken. I can't even fathom the depth of the suffering that was happening for in this body at that time. And here's this asshole telling me that nothing's broken. So I had my normal response to most things that challenged me, which is I got mad and decided to figure out exactly what he meant so that I could start to argue with him and convince him of how his entire life experience was wrong. And um, as you can see, <laughs> that didn't happen uh, because the more that I started to understand what that meant for nothing to be broken, that my grief wasn't broken, that this was a normal response to the causes and conditions of my life up to that moment. And that the real practice was trying to learn to let that happen, to let my heart get broken, to have a broken heart, to miss my friends, to experience the anger and rage of ignorance, all of that that was going on for me, to just not argue with it. And, when, and think about it, how could my life be, and my emotional life be any different, given all of the things that had happened up to that moment? How could it be different? And look at your own life. How could you have any different experience than the experience you're having? And if that's true, then it stands to reason that nothing is broken. It stands to reason that this very mind, this very experience that I'm having is Buddha. There's nothing else for it to be. And my job is to figure out how to hold that with love and compassion. In that regard, one of my favorite teachers who I got to hang out with for a very long time, Zinke Blanche Hartman, in her book, Seeds of a Boundless Life, which was a collection of her talks and uh, ideas put together by one of her students. And in it, she says, Suzuki Roshi used to say, see everyone as Buddha, see each being as Buddha, see yourself as Buddha. And if we're all Buddha, if we're all interconnected like that, or inter-R as Thich Nhat Hanh, a renowned master of Vietnamese Zen would say, then an all-encompassing love has to be our experience. So for me, having that understanding, I just don't know how to say how meaningful it is to me and how much I hope you will have the ex this experience in your life of this warm-hearted connection with everyone, with all beings. We are interwoven with each other. I am in you and you are in me. And to come into our own realization of this deep connection that you have with all beings is the greatest gift you can, could get. Our aim is to have a complete experience of full or full feeling in each moment of practice. What we teach is that enlightenment and practice are one. But my practice at that time was what we call step ladder Zen. 
I understand this much now. And next year I thought I'll understand a little bit more. Do you ever feel like that? Is that an experience that you have? I would never be satisfied. It doesn't make much sense. I could never be satisfied. If you try step letter practice, you too may realize that it is a mistake to think that if we do not have some big warm satisfaction in our practice, then it's not true practice. Even though you sit trying to have the right posture and counting your breath, it may still feel and still be lifeless zazen because you're just following instructions. You're not kind enough with yourself. You think that if you follow the instructions given by some teacher, then you will have a good practice. But the purpose of meditation is to encourage you to be kind to yourself. Do not count your breaths just to avoid your thinking, but to take the best care you can of your breathing. If you're very kind with your breathing, one breath after another, you will have a refreshed, warm feeling in your zazen. When you have a warm feeling for your body, and your breath, then you can take care of your practice and you will be fully satisfied. When you are very kind with yourself, naturally, you will feel like this. I think what's beautiful about what Blanche is saying here is that you know, I followed all of the right instructions for my life and I still suffered. I came to San Francisco Zen Center and I learned how to sit Zazen on a regular basis and I learned how to follow a schedule and I did all the things right and I still suffered. And there are days when I still suffer but every day I learn a little bit more about how to be kind to myself, to let this life be enlightened. Let it turn me towards some connection, some gentleness, some love, some self-compassion, which then naturally brings me into compassion with the other people around me. I cannot see Buddha in you if I can't see Buddha in me. I can't have faith in your practice if I can't have faith in my own practice. So it starts here and it starts with just taking our place where we are, taking care of our breath, our experience and each moment. And when I fail at that, I just gently remind myself, no, even this is Buddha. that there's nothing special about enlightenment and there's nothing special about practice. Like it really is this simple. I once was talking to um, Shinshu Roberts, who's a really lovely teacher from down in Santa Cruz. And, um, and we were talking about deep thoughts about Dogen, but at some point she said, look, if we keep thinking that enlightenment and having an enlightened experience is something special, we're never gonna get there. Enlightenment has to be an appropriate response. 
And that means that when I stop at a stop sign, when I'm driving, that's enlightenment. Just as much as when I sit down with my teacher and I say, have a question or I have some experience and then he says something that really hits it on the head and I have that special warm feeling that just sort of tingles all my nerve endings. One is not different than the other. One is not more special than the other and one is not less special than the other. That feeling I have on day three of Sashin, of intensive meditation retreats where my entire body aches and I've sat for too long and I just can't deal with my mind anymore and I just want to scream, that's enlightenment. Just as much as on day four when I finally surrender and I have a big sigh and everything becomes easy and Zazen becomes a joyful thing and the refuges at the end of the night make me cry. Both are Buddha. No matter what your suffering is in this moment, it's not broken. You're not broken. There's nothing broken about you. This very mind is Buddha. And with that, I'm going to say thank you very much for your kind attention and invite you to play Stump the Monk. Ask me whatever you feel like asking, comments. Uh, I think this is an opportunity for us to share our own wisdom. So thank you very much. <laughs>